Hey there. Welcome to 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I'm Lindsay, and I'm joined by my co-host and real-life partner, Carling. We're diving into the 90s hit drama through today's lens. Get ready for our off-the-cuff commentary and peeling back the layers of the Camden family. We'll tackle everything from family rules, life lessons, and 90s fashion. Join us every week for a light-hearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane. Whether you're a die-hard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. He's not looking good, but because he's young, he could survive, but there's a big chance he won't make it or he'll be brain dead. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Carling. (laughs) How's it going? It's going okay. How are you? It's going good. We're recording in two separate locations today. I know. I never like when we don't record together. It makes me sad. I know. And then we were supposed to do an interview, but we had some technical difficulties, so we had to postpone it. You just said interview really funny. How did... You were like, interview. (laughs) (laughs) Every time I say the word Ebel... I hear you laughing at me. Abel. Sorry. That's okay. It's how we do. Um, <laughs> Michelle, happy belated birthday. Oh, thank you. Today's Sunday and your birthday was yesterday. It was. And I had a wonderful day thanks to had- somebody cool who I'm maybe <laughs> speaking to right now. How, how'd your day start off though? Oh, not great, honestly. <laughs> it was a little um, touch and go. Yeah. So I, um, Carling booked, booked me a massage, which was really nice, but, and it was at 1030. So at like 10 o'clock. Okay. First of all, I asked my daughter to go get something from my car in the garage. Yeah. Your daughter she who already out. suffers from anxiety and is a bit on the dramatic side. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> she goes into the garage and starts screaming. Yeah. Like she's found a dead body. I mean, yeah. Like bloody murder so I'm like what is happening I'm like either there's a dead body in the garage or my car is gone like someone stole it yeah um so I open the door and the car's there so I'm like what like what's the issue and I guess the garage door was opened to like two inches on the bottom of it and one of the kids had left the back door of the car opened yeah uh when they got out of it the day before which is just annoying but so in her mind, it's like some, and she always kind of, she hears noises. She gets nervous. She's always afraid, you know, if the doors aren't locked, like things like that. So yeah. I don't even know what she was thinking happened, but I'm like, anyway, so calmed her down. And, but I kept trying to open and close the garage door. And every time it would, uh, it would go down to the ground and then come back up like two inches and then go back to the ground and every time it did that, she would gasp. Oh I'm like, <laughs> you need to go, like go get inside out of here. Yeah. So, um, at that point I realized like, okay, I can't get the garage door open. I pulled the red thing to try to, you know, do it manually, but my garage door is very heavy and my vehicle is very large. Right. Um, it's very tall. So in order for me to, you know, somehow lift up the garage door, climb on top of my vehicle, it was like, it was not going to happen. So yeah. <clears throat> In my fully functional mind, I resigned myself to the fact that I don't deserve a massage and this is <laughs> happening for a reason. And so yeah. I just walked into my room and sat there for a while thinking like, okay, well, happy birthday to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and birthdays already are not great. Like yeah, last, birthdays are not great. Last year was your first birthday since Anthony died. Yeah. And then, you know, the year before that, was not great so no. yeah yeah so so I, I get a message you yeah <laughs> and I was like oh my god I was like okay well like there are taxis in Okotoks <laughs> and, I and was you were like, you're like super no we're not into that yeah you were like I don't know what you said something I, like I, well I literally just said no you said no and then I was like okay and you were like I'm basically just trying not to cry right now and I was like, okay, well, I can call you a taxi. So I called you a taxi. 
Yeah. And you still got your 45 minute massage. You were just 15 minutes late. So they I did. And it. so I was in a cab and I'm like, okay, well, first of all, social like anxiety. I don't yeah. want to like talk to anybody. Right. Yeah. So thank you. Really chatty. Cab- cab? No, he wasn't. He like didn't say anything. So also how that. presumptuous that we thought it was a man. It was a man. Okay. I know. But like, <laughs> I didn't know that. Well, he was not chatty and I appreciated that because I was not into it. And then I walked into the place and they like already knew me like they, anyway, I just walked in there like Michelle. I'm like, yes. (laughs) I went upstairs and then the girl up there was like, Michelle, I'm like, yes, (laughs) (laughs) it's me. So anyways, I had a very wonderful massage. Uh, It was great. She hurt, but it was good. And then, and then I picked you up and we fixed you your garage. Well, no, we got your garage door open. Yeah. So we could get the vehicle out. Yeah. And then I went to Winners and wandered around there for a little bit and then went and got a manicure and pedicure that yes. you also booked for me, which was wonderful. Um, and then came home and there were some people there. So we had a yeah. bit of a social distance, COVID friendly, like driveway party, little, yeah, driveway party. So yeah. that was very nice. And your mom made cupcakes. Yeah, she made cupcakes. And I put all your kids to work and we cleaned your house. Yeah, you did a good job. Thanks. Which is funny because it you wouldn't know it by today that it was actually right. cleaned. Because yeah. I spent the entire day cleaning my house from top to bottom because the landlord was coming. So, oh, God, that stresses me out. Well, and I mean, like, the biggest jobs were the bathrooms. Yeah. And it didn't help that the girls, I dyed their hair. And so the bottom of the bathtub and the bottom of the shower were like red and purple. Oh God. <laughs> but does it wash off? Um, It needs some, it, it, it takes a few times to get it out. Right. So I used like Vim and I used Barkeeper's Friend and I used scrubbing bubbles and it's still there a little bit, but it'll wash off like after a while. God, do we have affiliate links for these products? <laughs> but the worst part was that the landlord didn't even look in the, like, so she was coming to sign the, the lease so yeah. I can stay here for another year. And she wanted to do a walkthrough. Yeah. Yeah. She, I cleaned the whole house and she barely looked at anything, but I mean, it was fine, but yeah. Anyways, how was your <sighs> weekend? My weekend was good. With your high maintenance friend. With my high maintenance <laughs> friend. Um, so Lindy is out of town. She went to spend some time with family in Saskatchewan. So I've been like solo on animal and house duties. Solo parenting. Yeah. So like even though Lindy and I broke up, we still like have a house and a million animals together. So yes. we're sorting that all out. So um, it's just been like more hectic because instead of two people tackling everything, it's just me. Yeah. That's a lot it's of okay. Work. It's okay. Um, it's okay. It's fine. Everything is great. Fine. <laughs> great. I don't and know. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of seeing someone. <laughs> oh, are you? Yeah. Breaking so, news. I, <laughs> I feel like everything's a bit delayed, like, because like, like we met, but then like, I didn't want to, I wasn't going to be like the weirdo that just like talks about every person I meet, you know? So anyway, we've been seeing each other for a few weeks now. And yeah. I don't know. Things are good. Yeah. <laughs> I like, don't know how to talk about it. You have no chill. I have no chill. Here are the things I'm learning. No, no chill, chill, no game. No, you, it's very cute. And you guys are very cute. And I actually know her in a yeah. weird way. It's okay. And so I'll, yeah, I'll just, so it's, there's a lot of connections. Yeah. We discovered that we, so we met on Tinder, like super mm-hmm. 2021. We discovered that on Facebook, we had like 18 mutual friends and we were like, oh man, I don't know. You just seem really familiar. And we found a selfie that we took seven years ago at a pub night, but neither of us really remember it. So we met seven so years funny. ago. Yeah. And then you were like, oh, I know her. So you went to university with her. Yeah. You guys went to cooking school together. I don't know. (laughs) And then some of my family knows her. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Her best friend is married to Anthony's cousin. Yeah. 
yeah so it's like kind of like so a, it's pretty cool yeah it feels very i don't know serendipitous is that the right um, <laughs> if you're trying to be gay i think it's working <laughs> no it's it's cool it's cool whatever we're chill we're super cool <laughs> whatever no big deal no big deal um i actually had a question which i just thought about Oh. Because you met your ex-husband on Plenty of Fish. Yes, I did. Isn't it weird? Like going back onto like, I know it's different now, but like the online yeah. dating world. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I met Chad, my ex-husband on Plenty of Fish, then was like, mm, never doing that again. I mean, it's like, that's how you meet people now. And I don't like oh, when I meet, you didn't meet Lindy that way. No, we met through friends actually. Yeah. And yeah. So when my therapist was like, you need to get Tinder, I was like, I don't know. So I wasn't really like, cause it's COVID and you know, I wasn't really thinking about meeting anybody, but the fact that we have so many mutual friends, I was able to sort of like, I don't know, ask around and be like, oh, I matched with this person and everybody has had nothing but glowing reviews. Yes. So she is a very nice person for sure. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) When I tell you that I've had to deal with Carling and her no chill for uh, the past few weeks and her completely ignoring me when we're in the same room because she's texting or oh sending a selfie, uh, it's been a challenge, but I still love her and I'm very happy Listen, for her. just love me. <laughs> I love you no matter what. So yeah, I don't know. Um, it's just been a good a good couple weeks. It was a very good weekend. So have you fully explained to her our relationship? <laughs> yes. Listen. And the complexities part... of yeah. complexities. Is that a word? Yeah. I mean, it helps um, that you guys already know each other. Yes. So, and like, she's best friends with your like in-law family. Yeah. I was like, on, uh, five more children and <laughs> yeah i mean we'll see you know we'll just uh we'll see i'm right up front with people when i say listen i have a platonic wife and five surrogate children is that the right word like yeah sure yeah yeah five adopted children (laughs) anywho so that's me anywho um okay so today we're talking with kirsten yeah who um she actually reached out to us we put a call out for stories and um, she reached out to us and she's been a listener for some time and she also might be the sweetest human ever. Oh my gosh. She was so wonderful. Yeah. It was really I'm nice. I'm so happy for her and her life now and knowing what, you know, she's been through. It's just like so nice to see yeah. her. I think um, there's going to be a lot of people that listen to this episode and can relate to so many pieces of it, whether it's yes. the addiction or not. And I just think, yeah, it's something that this is like another great example of things that we should be talking about and people's yeah. experiences and stories. Um, because there will be somebody that listens that feels like, wow, it wasn't just me, somebody I can relate to. So Kirsten, yeah. thank you. You are the bomb. So cute. Okay. Let's we, get on with her episode. Okay. Okay. Bye. Hello, Kirsten. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. It's so funny that we're doing this is like our first video chat with somebody. Yeah. And so we're just I like, I look okay. No, it's great. I like my hair was not prepared for video, but Zencaster threw us a link and gave us video. So I like it. Well, you guys look great. And oh, the, the closet looks great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We are in a very yeah. tiny little closet. <laughs> Cool. Well, we're super excited that you reached out to us when we put out a little call out for stories. Um, and your story sounds incredible. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're like, I don't know. Not um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, incredible in like, in like a trauma, interesting sort of way. Yes. It yeah. builds character, as I say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like we're so funny because we have been through a lot. So exactly. That's good. Yeah. Um, so why don't we start with having you introduce yourself, like who you are, where you're from, what do you do? Well, I'm Kirsten. I'm 28. Um, I'm just from like outside of Vancouver. I grew up in North End, which if anyone knows, it's across the water from Vancouver. You take a little yeah. sea bus yeah. to go downtown. It's very cool. And now I live out in the suburbs. I'm kind of, right now I'm waitressing because COVID has yeah. kind of turned my life a little crazy, but still very grateful because 
things are good now. Because um, were you shut down for a while where you are? Uh, well, in March, we did a shutdown for like a few months. I was, I was at that time, I just got a new job, uh, like a government job. And then it, unfortunately, like they kept pushing it off. Okay, you're going to start later. You're going to start later. You're going to start later. And then eventually they're like, okay, you're not coming at all. Oh, no. <laughs> so it's a little bit of limbo. And then it was just a crazy year. Yeah. And so you, um, and so you're engaged to, to Connor. Yeah, so Connor is, oh, I just love him. He's so best. Like, honestly, like, to anyone listening who thinks all men are scum, like, there are some nice ones. Oh, that's (laughs) Only a few. Yeah. 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 And we were lucky enough. We've been together for seven years, and we were lucky enough to get together before sort of Tinder and all that online dating on your phone sort of blew up. I'm so lucky. And he's such a nice man. Like I met him uh, on a girl's trip, me and my best friend, me and my Michelle to Carling best friend. Oh. We just got out of like shitty relationships. We were like 22. Sorry. Did I swear? Oops. Oh, that's okay. But <laughs> I'll cut it out. I'm kind of trash. So I'm going to try not to swear. But you know. <laughs> Um, so we just got out of really bad relationships, both of us, like stupid. I think at the time we're 22 because I'm 28 now. So we went on this trip to Mexico and we met these guys there and we just partied the whole time and Connor was there and we just became really good friends. And then eventually we got together and he lived in White Rock, which is like 45 minutes away from Vancouver where I was living and it just all worked out. And now we're good. It's good. We finally got engaged and... Uh, are you gonna get married like once COVID is less? Yeah, like we'll probably do 2022 summer, and it's just like you know, I have a, like I'm really excited because it's like finally we have something to celebrate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Then yeah. it's just like everyone's life was on hold, and mm-hmm. even before yeah. this, I won't get too much into it, but I had to have a surgery on my back, so my life was on hold, and oh, career yeah. was on hold, and here we are. So it's you know, there's there's like a really nice future ahead, and I'm really excited. Yeah, yeah. we're yeah. gonna just vicariously like celebrate your engagement. Yes. So we like yes. have something to look forward to. <laughs> yes. If we can have full numbers, y'all can come to the wedding. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> Well, like live podcast from it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So why don't we get into your story? So I think, yeah, you tell it in your own words and in the way that you think it's best. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, I have kind of a colorful past. I have a really nice life now and I'm so grateful. And most times I meet people, they would have no idea what I've gone through. And I feel like this is something that happens a lot. You, you know how they say everyone has a story, but like, you really just have no idea what people are going through. And the more people I meet, the more I know this is totally true. So I always kind of keep that in mind when I'm thinking about my life and reflecting and telling my story, I think, okay, I can't be alone, which is why I'm so glad I found you guys, but I guess I'll stop stalling now and I'll. (laughs) The listeners are like, Oh God, what happened? (laughs) It's just a real cliffhanger. You can yeah. pause the audio and leave them on their toes. Yeah. So basically, um, I grew up, my parents had some substance abuse issues. My parents, they had me and my brother and my sister, the three of us, the same parents. And each of them had a daughter in a previous marriage. Oh, wow. So they, okay. Yeah. So I've got it. Why do I have to count this? Four sisters, one brother. Wait. Three Four sisters, girls, one, one boy. Yes, yeah. I'm counting as one. Yeah. <laughs> Three sisters, one brother. And then, so basically, um, by the time my parents got together, you know, they were still kind of having some issues. My dad was kind of starting out. He had substance abuse issues, as I said. And my mom, you know, she was doing the best she could. Her oldest daughter, Julie, my sister, she actually wasn't at home anymore. She left home young she had some issues she was um you know also had serious substance abuse issues so she left home around I think she might have been 11 oh wow but like and like did she leave the home to go live with other family members or was she in the system she ended up going into the system my mom had her really young and her dad died when they were young when she was young cancer but he was abusive it was just troubled for her and So she ended up going into the system because my mom couldn't care for her. She was really like rebelling a lot. And I think it was like started around like 11 to 13. And eventually she ended up um, 
living in the downtown east side I don't know if you Mm, you guys are familiar with that but it's it's like Skid Row yeah um in Vancouver and it's home to a lot of you know sex workers and just homeless and you know it, it is its own community and there are beautiful things about those people coming together and like but it's sad and it's scary so she ended up living down there for most of her life um and then we being my mom my sister my brother and my dad all from the same marriage we were at home and then my dad's daughter she was with her mom and then eventually she ended up in foster care um but my dad was very troubled with his drug abuse so he didn't really have the opportunity to take her in yeah um so anyway (laughs) And is your sister, your sister through your mom, has she passed away? Yeah. So she passed away, but I'll, I'll get into that later. (laughs) Chronological death order. (laughs) (laughs) So basically we grew up very poor because my dad, his drug of choice was eventually heroin, but it wasn't what you would think. Like he was a weekend user. And so interesting. Yeah, a functioning addict. So, you know, he was home a lot with us Monday to Friday. He worked every day. Um, and I think a lot of it was stemmed from alcohol. Like, he definitely was an alcoholic. And, you know, on Friday night, he'd have a burning hole of paycheck in his pocket. And it would, you know, lead him downtown and to the downtown east side where my sister yeah. was. Then he'd come back on Monday morning and do it all again. And we wouldn't have any money. And Wow. So that was kind of the cycle for my life for a long time. And my mom, she maybe like when she was raising my sister had some serious um, like substance abuse. Like I don't think she ever did heroin or anything, but my mom's like a total hippie and she smokes a lot of pot and she's a very loving person, but you know, she's had a lot of trauma in her life personally and you know, it was really hard and she was doing the best she could. So basically my dad he was struggling with his addiction for I, he died when I was 13 for the first 13 years of my life it was it was really scary because we didn't know where we would get you know our meals from we'd have to move every couple months because he wouldn't pay the rent and yeah. you know my mom she's got three young kids and she's just doing the best she can she works as much as she can but she's got three kids to care for and he's yeah. not there and it just was really hard for her and she did the best she could, but unfortunately it just, it was hard. Yeah. And where are you in the birth order of the three kids? So I'm the middle. So I've got my little sister, Katie. She's the youngest. She is five years younger than me. So I'm 28 and she's 23. And then we have my brother, Robbie, and he is one year almost to the day younger than older than me. Oh, wow. Um, 13 months. So he's May 1st. I'm June 1st. So we were really close growing up. So when you, you know, when your mom was working and your dad was, you know, didn't know where your dad was, did the three of you kind of just band together and and try to take care of each other? Yeah. And that's exactly what it had to be. You know, we really, kids at school, they don't get it, right? It was really troubled because we were neglected. And I don't, I honestly don't think that my mom meant to do that but she just was dealing with a lot and it was really hard for her and I could never imagine I could barely take care of my dog yeah and that's (laughs) now that like we're in our 30s and like now to look back you know at like some of the things that like I can think that my parents did that were kind of traumatic but like they were just doing the best that they could like they had their own traumas and like yeah it's so you know like I think people can be perspective yeah when you get older and you have start having your own kids or you you know you realize what they sacrificed as well and then you're just like I'm I know the day's gonna come for me like I want to be a mom so bad and I'm just gonna yeah Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I, my therapist jokes that like having kids is like a balance between giving them enough trauma that they're funny and resilient, but like not so much trauma that they're going to write a book about you. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. So like that's parenting. It's funny because like so many people tell me I need to write a book, but I kind of go on tangents. So I I don't know if I would be good at that. What was happening basically was this is hard to talk about because I feel bad for, you know, my mom or whoever's listening, but we were neglected in the sense that like, 
we had head lice from oh, like yeah. when we we're like five all the way to like 13 like it oh, was bad God. yeah um, the house was messy we never did laundry we never had clean clothes we'd go to school with like a butter sandwich and a Safeway bag oh there were some issues <laughs> Yeah. And, and did any of the teachers ever see any red flags or bring anything up? Yes. There were quite a few times actually that they called the ministry on us and I don't know how we got out of it, but a silver lining about that is actually like my best friend, Sarah from high school, from elementary school when I was five and my other best friend, Tommy, they were not really so much Tommy. He was having other things, but Sarah was in a very similar situation and her and I became so close since I was five. I'd always go to her parents' house. The same thing was going on there. And it yeah. was just, I'll never forget what it was like to have a friend that does not bring judgment to your lifestyle. And yeah. like from a young age, I knew it was not normal. And I could oh. never bring friends over. And it was really embarrassing. Yeah. But Sarah didn't judge me because the exact thing, same thing was going on. Yeah. Wow. But and are you still friends with her today? yeah she lives really close to me and you know Aww. she's gonna be at my wedding and she's still my best friend so I love that but the funny thing is her mom was like my mom like I loved her mom like she was my mom and they yeah. were having substance abuse issues and she loved my parents and my siblings like they were hers and and I can say now like even my dad they were going through their turmoil with addiction but they're still good people. And I think people that don't know what it's like, like those are real people. Yeah. And they got to that point somehow, but not all of them are bad and they have a lot of good about them. They're just sick. Yeah. And I don't that... think people will see it that way. Yeah. I think that's so true. And like, yeah, you see on TV, these like, you know, addicts are usually portrayed in the more negative light, but like, you know, they're addicts because they're sick and they're sick because, you know, like they've been through things and that doesn't change that they're good people at their core. It's a way that they've coped with the trauma in their life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I could have gone that way myself. Yeah. yeah. And I think about how lucky I am every day that I didn't because yeah. it's yeah. a slippery slope, especially if it's in your family. And these people aren't bad people. Like I look at people I know now and, you know, we're going to be 30 soon and they're just so jaded and grumpy and miserable and they can't have relationships and they're not warm and they have all these issues, but they grew up in a house with money, with structure, with balance. They were in sports, they had opportunities, but they didn't have like love, I think is what yeah. Yeah. The component yeah. is missing. They never felt loved by their parents. And even though my parents were, you know, like we put the fun and dysfunction, that was our family saying. <laughs> I love like, that so much. So true. Though. It's just like I could get that tattooed on my forehead and it would just yeah. make sense. Yeah. But like I never felt like I wasn't loved by them. But I knew they just had problems. Even my dad, I he loved us so much. My mom, she's the loveliest, sweetest woman in the world. Yeah. But she's got a lot of trauma. But she was yeah. never mean or nasty. I was nasty to her when I was a teenager. You know how of that course. Goes. Yeah. 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 But I think that is the secret sauce because if everyone I've ever met that is na nasty, you know, coworkers and everything, they've all got mommy or daddy issues in the sense that their parents didn't give them love. And even though we were neglected severely, we still had love. Yeah. 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 And I really think that's what matters the most. That's so nice. So so were you ever removed from the home like when when the government was called? Okay, so I'm going to rewind a little bit. So basically what happened was the first time I remember they I was about 5 and my dad had gotten mad at me for something and he like smacked me on the butt. It was not abuse or anything. It was just stupid. And I told the crossing guard that he had smacked me. It was not abusive at all it was just yeah. like stop doing that right but I guess from seeing you know our appearance and how dysfunctional we were we thought okay something's going on so they called and I remember this I was like five they called child protective services and they came and they interviewed us and I had to talk to them at school and nothing ever came of it they deemed that we were you know okay and then a few months later we moved to the sunshine coast which is um basically exactly how it sounds <laughs> <laughs> a sunshiny coast it's beautiful yeah. and I was like six at the time my sister was one my brother was seven it was kind of a fresh start my dad was gonna try and get sober and my mom there was not a lot of work there and my dad couldn't find work so my mom ended up having to commute back to her old job which is a ferry ride of 45 minutes and then wow. a long drive so she did that for a while but it, it, you know we were isolated so my dad's addiction 
even if you remove yourself from the situation, you can still find it. So there was a night when he was all messed up and she came home and they got in a, like a domestic argument. He got, I don't know exactly what happened that night. He was all messed up on drugs and my mom ended up calling the police. And the next thing I know, we were removed, all of us, oh. my mom included. And we went and stayed in a woman's shelter and we never saw that house again. And then we went to live with my grandma and my aunt and my uncle. We didn't see my dad for about a year. And he wow. went through treatment. He came out of treatment and now we're like eight at this point. I'm eight. We didn't see him for almost a year and I started to become afraid of him. Like I'd see the right. pizza guy and I thought it looked like him and I'd get scared. And my mom realized, no, like your dad's not a bad person. He's just has issues and he's working on them. So my dad ended up getting sober and eventually my parents got back together. We moved in together and it was like a year of normal he was sober. He was sober and everything was good. And then he started hanging around the same people that he used to hang out with. And then he thought, okay, I can drink. I just can't do the hard stuff. And then slowly but surely, he ended up back right. doing the hard stuff. And then we went back to square yeah. one of craziness. But then, you know, that was a few years of craziness. And then when my brother was 10, he started having seizures and was diagnosed with epilepsy. And it was really hard on our family. And his seizures were very severe until we sort of got it under control with medication. And then a few years later, when I was 13, I started to have seizures. Oh my God. And it was really, you know, I'm going through puberty. I'm young. And I, at this point, I know exactly what my dad does when he goes downtown. For a long time, I didn't really know because I was young and I'm starting to, you know, I'm 13. I have an opinion of my own world. I know what's going on around me. I started to get really mad at my dad. Because I knew what he was doing and I was really angry. And I remember like when I had my first seizure, I was at a swimming pool with my friend Sarah and I felt weird. So I got out of the swimming pool and then I had like a serious seizure and then I had like five more seizures in a row. And so they took me to Children's and my dad was on a bender that weekend. Oh. And the reason why I was with Sarah was because I was mad at my dad because he didn't come home for Father's Day. Yeah. It was like 18. Sarah had a similar situation because her dad's all crazy too. And so basically every time I would spend with Sarah because she got it. And so my dad came straight from his bender to the hospital and he was doing the nod in the hospital. I don't yeah. know if you guys know what the nod is. Coming off heroin, you're just so he, but he wanted to be there because, you know, I could have died. And so he was there in the hospital doing the nod and he was, you know, coming down on heroin. And that is a very like, it can make you physically ill and it's stressful, but he wanted to be there and he slept in the chair in my hospital room and the doctors and the nurses, he, you know, he was getting mad and lashing out and he was emotional and the MRI guy was yelling at me when I was in the MRI and my dad's trying to fight the guy because he thought he was being rude to me. Oh, Meanwhile, God. he's detoxing. It was just a mess. Oh, so we almost <laughs> got apprehended there, but I knew someone who worked at the hospital and she was like a big sister to me. And she spoke to the doctor and she spoke to the social worker and she explained the situation and she said they have a lot of support. They're good kids. These people mean well. And we didn't get taken away. Wow. And then about a month later, my dad passed away from a heroin overdose. Oh. And so you would have been 13, almost 14. I just had turned 13. Okay. Going into high school. Wow. And so was he, was he at home when he passed away or was he out? No, he was down on East Hastings in the, in the downtown East side. Oh. So, and I was at Sarah's house and um, Sarah lived in Burnaby at this time. So like, which was, it's also a, a suburb like where I'm living now from Vancouver. Mm -hmm. It's quite far and, you know, we didn't drive. So I bus there. So I would spend all my weekends there. So I came home. I remember he left on Friday. I came home on Monday. He still wasn't home. And I was like, oh, like normally he's home by Sunday night. Yeah. yeah. And I just was kind of mad at him at that point. And um, then my grandpa came to the door and had let us know he had passed. Oh. And I'll, I'll just never forget. It was so horrible. Yeah. And, you know, everybody, you know, you'd think about that time and I mean, in one sense, it did close a chapter of us being in, you know, a questionable situation and having his addiction affect our entire family. But, yeah. you know, he was still my dad and he yeah. had a lot of love to give. Like yeah. I said, he just was screwed up. Yeah. How old was he? He was 39. 
Oh, oh God. God, that's young. That's so young. Yeah. And your parents were still together at the time. Yeah, but I mean, they never really were great. Yeah. Yeah. Like they were like, you yeah. know. But <laughs> my mom like was so heartbroken, and I think about. When I listen to, you know, bits of your story of losing your husband, I, you know, I think about my mom because not only are you grieving the loss of your husband and your future plans that you don't, can't do anymore. Yeah. You have to get three kids through that grief. Yeah. And you got to deal with them. And then yeah. they're mad at you for surviving. Like I was such a bitch to my mom. Oh. Now in hindsight, I think about that and I just can't imagine what that would be like. Yeah. 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 And it just was probably so traumatic for her. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. And had you had you seen your dad um, kind of regularly up until he passed? Yeah, like he lived at home with us. So he would yeah. be there from Monday to Friday, you know, Friday night. He's having beers with the buddies. Yeah. And then he would just disappear, not tell anybody and just yeah. disappear. Oh. Um, and then he would come back on Monday with no money and then we wouldn't have any food and we wouldn't have rent money and it was always a big fight between my parents and we were always me and my siblings were anticipating Sunday night when he comes home and they get in a huge fight and it was really scary and we'd hide in our room and it just was horrible and then we knew okay we're probably gonna have to move and you know to be like in elementary school and having to worry about our livelihood like I know we couldn't have done anything to contribute to have to worry about our livelihood and where we're gonna live and that was so stressful and I remember just it was just horrible yeah it's just not something that a child should ever have to worry about you know yeah it's just so sad and I remember the first time feeling anxiety my dad was gone for a weekend and I knew he was coming home and I could couldn't catch a breath Mm-hmm. And I said to my mom, mom, I, I can't breathe properly. And she said, well, you're having anxiety and I'm sorry. Yeah. And I just all remember that from forever. Like what my first experience of anxiety was like. To be that young. Yeah. And like you just you can't help but be anxious about it. But like no 13 year old should have to worry about like the stability of their home life. And I think that's really common, actually. I think so too. And I, you know, with my friends, I knew it wasn't uncommon because they were going through the same thing. And that really was my saving grace to feel like I wasn't alone. You know, begging my mom not to get mad at my dad was insane. Like if it was my husband, I would kick his ass. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I just would beg her, please don't get mad at him, please. Yeah. And, you know, I knew what he was doing because my sister, Julie, who yeah. was down, t- down there. So she was pretty present in our life, even though she was severely addicted to uh, heroin and living on East Hastings. She actually like was very present in our life. She would come, you know, a few times a month to take us out. And she actually kind of gave us a normal life because she knew we weren't having a normal life. She would save up her money every year and take us to the fair, Playland Aww. as they call it. And, and how so much we were- older was she than you? Well, she is 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. She was like, we were very close to her and she would bring us stuff all the time. And even though she was struggling, she would still find a way to, you know, sort of give us some normalcy. And she loved us. And she was a very smart person. She she was very book smart. She was just troubled. And when she would take us places like to the the fair every year, she would actually save her money. She'd go to this thing called Labor Ready, which is they give you like a job to someone who's homeless for the day oh. and you're just doing like the worst jobs ever, but you get yeah. your money. She wanted to make her money the, like not in a dirty way to take us to, um, you know, the fair. So I actually knew what my dad was going, was doing because he had told me what she was doing. Right. So you could piece so, it together and be like, well, obviously I know what you're doing then. Yeah. So he actually one day drunkenly told me that my sister was a hooker oh. and that she's using heroin and he told me never to share a toothbrush with her this and that and like he was having the talk with me because he thought I needed to know yeah and then I asked her about it and she actually said well you know I see your dad down here because he's doing the same thing oh god so that's kind of how I knew what was going on were you close with your brother and sister your relationship with them like the siblings you shared with your mom and dad yeah we were very close because you know we were all in it together and my little sister was like I was such a bully to her when she was young. She was our little minion. Yeah, well, of course, she's the little sister. Yeah, but, you know, now her and I are super close. But my brother and I were only a year apart. And so we actually had a lot of the same friends. And then as we grew up, we got closer and closer. And he, 
you know, he's just such a nice kid, but he got picked on a lot more than I did. And it was hard for him. And his seizures were, you know, getting worse and worse. And, you know, he wanted to be a mechanic. He couldn't get his driver's license. And it was just hard for him. But him and I had a special bond because I had epilepsy and he had epilepsy. And we both understood, you know, what that was like. Also, going through what was happening at home, being poor, having our parents, you know, be neglectful and have had lice. Like, you can't tell anybody that's going on, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he knew all my secrets and I knew all his and we were really, that really bonded us because he's the only person I could talk to about anything. Oh, wow. So when your dad died, he was 14 then, right? He was 14, yeah. Yeah. And did he take it really hard? I sort of picture because like he was the oldest, he was the boy. Like, did he, I don't know, like have a feeling of having to like take on any more responsibility? Yes. And then he totally did. And I was kind of at that age really experimenting a lot and I was partying a lot and I was just being an idiot all the time. (laughs) And he was smoking a lot of weed and but I was kind of off the rails. Like the way I dealt with my dad's death was just to, I try to like be him or something, you know? Right. I was yeah. drinking the beer he drank and I was, you know, could have gone really bad. Thank God it did. And I kind of always had this fear to do drugs because of my seizures. Having seizures is, in itself is really scary. And mm-hmm. I had like anxiety about that happening. And he kind of always would be there to give me a lecture about not going, taking it too far. I would never listen to him. Yeah. Um, but you know, I was an asshole back then. And <laughs> thank God I'm not anymore. I'm reformed. Yeah. yeah. But you know, and then it just got bad. Like you know, even though my dad had passed away and the drug abuse had stopped, my mom was just not okay. She was really going through a lot of trauma. Um, we had bed bugs at her house. Oh. We never had any money, and it was just a mess and I ended up getting a job at a local restaurant I lied about my age wow (laughs) and and they let me like bartend and serve oh wow (laughs) yeah and then they found out how old I was and they didn't care oh well that's good yeah (laughs) they were shady but (laughs) yeah yeah that's all right you needed money so and I was 15 and I finally got a taste of freedom having my own money being able to buy food and clothes and alcohol yeah yeah I thought I was 25 and so I moved out I moved out of my house at 15 with Sarah and Sarah at this point was in um foster care but she was in an independent living program so they paid her rent the government paid her rent and then they only give you a certain amount so I moved in to cover the rest of the house and then Robbie ended up staying with my mom and my sister and after I left he sort of got a job and he became really good with money and then he started taking over the kind of brunt he'd be lending out money to my mom and he kind of he did he really did step into that role and um yeah it was crazy and I remember one time like I lost my job the restaurant I worked at went bankrupt they didn't pay us and I didn't know how I was going to pay my rent and my brother lended me it was two hundred dollars oh my god (laughs) (laughs) he lent me two hundred dollars and I couldn't believe it and I finally felt like wow I have a stable family like yeah. This is crazy. And I returned him the money and he said, I didn't, you didn't need to return me the money. And he was so good with money and I was just blowing it all and partying and clothes. And yeah, so he, he definitely stepped into that role. And now my sister's getting older and yeah. he's helping out. And now at this point, we're about, I'm 18 and he's 19. I had a fake ID and I was wild and I was partying and he just turned 19 so he could go out to the bar. We took him out for his birthday and I, I showed him all these cool drinks to drink. You should <laughs> never drink when you're an epileptic, by the way. Oh, no. <laughs> and him and I did like 15 Jaeger bombs. I was oh. like giving him all these drinks to drink. Like we got yeah. so drunk out of no. our mind. No. So we both ended up in the hospital because we had seizures. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, my God. It was just a mess. But then, you know, so we started getting really close then because, like, all of our friends started kind of becoming one friend group. And we were just, like, turning into young adults. It's like that college age where you're having a lot of fun. And it was, a, it was a really good time. But then his seizures started to get more severe. He would actually get immune to his medication. Yeah, new medication. Meanwhile, I just, like, didn't get... I just took the same medication. I even just stopped taking it through high school. I just didn't care. Nothing ever happened to me. And then when I was, like, 18, I started having seizures again. So I finally got back on medication. I've been on it ever since. He just kept getting worse and worse and worse. 
And then eventually he had a really bad seizure where he ended up on life support. And how old was he? He was 19. At that time, like it was normal for him to be in the hospital. It wasn't anything weird. We'd go see him. I was in the hospital sometimes too. Um, Because at that point, my seizures started to spike up again. So it wasn't really weird for us to be at the hospital. And when he was in the hospital, it's not like, okay, drop everything. Robbie's in the hospital. We have to go see him because it's a common occurrence in our family. And my mom worked at the hospital. It just wasn't that weird. So he was in the hospital once and he actually had a massive seizure and got unconscious. So he ended up being on life support. And I didn't even know about that until after and he said, oh, Kirsten, that was the worst experience, like waking up not with a tube down your throat and a catheter. Yeah. Like, and I had no idea because that never happened to me. And so after that, and he told me about that experience, I thought, okay, I'm not going to miss visiting him in the hospital next time. So he ended up in the hospital again. He had a seizure while he was home alone. My sister at the time, she was 13. She had come home and he was passed out in the bathtub. <gasps> And there was puke in the toilet. There was no water in the bathtub. She called 911. He wasn't breathing. Oh, he was fully no. blown. And so they took him to the hospital. And they got him on life support. And my sister called and said, hey, Robbie's in the hospital again. And I thought, oh, okay. So I called my mom and I said, hey, mom, like, what's going on? And she's like, don't go to the hospital. And she and I thought that was really weird. Like, why yeah. would she say She's like, just give him a space. He needs to rest. Don't go to the hospital. And I heard like a weird sound in her voice. And, you know, I just thought, okay, what was her deal? Yeah. So yeah. I got all my Rat Pack friends together and we went to the hospital. He was fully on life support. I'd never seen that before. And it was shocking. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, what the heck's going on? Like, and so my friend Tommy went and got a nurse and he's like, we just have some questions. Like, what's going on and he was in the ICU and the nurse just said well it's not looking good but because he's young he could survive but there's a big chance he won't make it or he'll be brain dead and I did not expect to get that news at all even seeing him on the machine I thought he's gonna be fine he's always fine yeah she said that he could die it was the most shocking thing that had ever happened to me we all went down to the sushi place and just like sat there over our miso soup like no one was talking yeah no one knew what to say I called in sick for work and I just I just didn't know what to do and then my friend Tommy said okay well let's just go do something fun tonight so we went and we sang karaoke and we ate ice cream and we watched Gilmore Girls and we stayed up till three in the morning and just talked and like hoped that everything was going to work out and then they drove me home at two in the morning and 7am I get the phone call from the ICU nurse saying you need to come up here right now. And so then I called all my friends and they said, I, don't, I can't get a hold of my mom. I don't know where she is. And I went to her house. She wasn't there. They came and picked me up and we went to the hospital and he had passed away like 10 minutes before I got there. Oh, and no. My mom and my sister were there and it was just so horrible. It was so horrible. You know, my friends, like, I just can't even tell you. I don't know what I would have done without them. Yeah. My my friend Tommy worked at Blockbuster, and they wanted him to come in for a shift. And he's like, sorry, I can't come in. He called him sick. And then my friend Christina, she worked at this terrible retail store, and they said, you have to come in. And she said, no, I quit. Then my other friend, she, her mom, they opened up their house, which was right beside the hospital for us to come to. And Christina's mom and I are very close. And she came to the hospital to be there for me and my mom. And we all said goodbye to my brother. And my friends were just there for us. They brought coffees, food, anything we needed for our whole family. Everyone was there. And like, they provided like a place for us all to just come and people were coming and checking on us. And, you know, for everyone, I think even my friends, they'd never lost someone that, like that. Yeah. And it was really hard for them too. Oh, I'm so sorry. How, but, how I mean, were things between like your mom and your sister and yourself? Like, were you leaning on each other during that time or, you know, was it, was it hard to be, to be around them? because you it, had just lost it him. was hard I just it was my sister was just so young so she was really quiet yeah but my mom oh my god it just was horrible to see my mom she just wanted to like give me some morphine or something it was really hard I had to go find my sister who was really heavy in her addiction at this point living on East Hastings 
And she lived in this like crack motel that it yeah. was very, scary, very scary place. And no, oh. no young woman should ever have to go there. And I had called um, Christina's mom oh. and I asked her to drive me down there. And she did. And I was like, okay, stay here. I got to go get my sister. And I'd been there before to find her. Sometimes we'd go like a year or two without seeing her. And we didn't know if she's still alive. I didn't want yeah. Christina's mom to come because I didn't want her to see like how scary like it was. Like people are doing drugs all around you. It's it's very scary. And she came with me. She said, I'm not letting you go in there alone. And we went and got my sister. And it was just so horrible. I just, yeah. and then the anger, you know, when my dad died, like I was an angry, angsty teenager, but my brother, he had a bright future ahead of him. He had not experienced what life was yet. I mean, now I can say yeah. I'm almost 30. Life just got so much better than that. Yeah, to know he didn't get the opportunity to see how good life could get. Yeah, because all he got was shit his whole life. Uh, and it's just the anger. God, I was so mad. We were all so yeah. mad. Because he was such yeah. a nice kid and he never asked for that. And he wasn't playing, you know, chicken with his life like my other family members were. Yeah. And it was yeah. absolutely devastating. It was horrible. Uh, but something cool that did happen was my dad's daughter we never spoke to her since I was five years old and I never knew whatever happened to her and I'd been trying to find her my whole life I could never find her but the reason I couldn't find her is because she actually transitioned and she was now my brother oh my god oh, wow. that's amazing yeah it was very cool and then so not that there's a silver lining because but you know it was horrible to lose my brother but in yeah. that sense I found my other brother and we wow. reconnected and we became very close at that time. And then another And so thing do you and him still talk? Yeah, he lives pretty close to me. And, That's you know, really it's nice. just, that was cool. And then something else that happened was my mom had a huge falling out with her sister. And it was almost irreparable, their fight. It was horrible. We didn't talk wow. to them. Right after my dad died, they had a falling out. So we didn't talk to them for, at that point, five years. And then when he died, my, my aunt you know, she reached out to my mom and her and I became like sisters. Wow. Like very, very close. And her and my mom were great. She's the closest family member that I have. And I don't know what I would do without her. That was a gift I felt like he gave me. How did your older sister cope? Like your mom's daughter, the one who was struggling with addiction, did she sort of like go down a dark path because of it because of the grief well at this point we hadn't seen her in a few years and before like we would see her often she would make a big appearance in our life and she would try and give us what we didn't have and take us around and you know she would try and get sober when she'd be around us and stuff mm -hmm. but we hadn't seen her in a few years because she got really bad in her addiction because her actual I didn't mention this earlier but she did have two children Oh, she had wow. to give both up for adoption and she had the same consistent boyfriend for a long time and he actually had passed away a few years before that from a drug overdose I think that really put her through a hard time so we yeah. hadn't seen her for a few years so then when I did finally see her it was to tell her my brother had passed and it was really sad and we kept in contact but she actually ended up passing away about a year later oh, I, no. I do the math like a year and a half later right and did she pass away from an overdose I think so. But the thing is, this is a whole other tangent, but because she was on the downtown east side and she was a sex worker, they kind of all get lumped together and people don't do enough due diligence to a lot of the times people don't take the like chance to go and investigate. So when she died, actually, we got this phone call from this guy we'd never met before. No idea who this guy was. And he calls and he says he's her boyfriend and he's crying. And he tells us that she died of a brain aneurysm. And we're like, wait, what? And like, I was like, that's not pop. Like she died of a drug overdose. She's yeah. on heroin. I phoned him and my aunt was with me and we got the story from him. And he said she got in a fist fight or something and she had a bite mark on her. And like, it was just a really weird story. I went and looked at her, his Facebook. And he, the two days before she passed, he'd said that they got in a fight and he didn't know her and she's crazy and she's making up all this stuff about her and they're not together. And it was really weird. I called so many times to the police to get the story because no one had phoned and they're like, oh, well, we couldn't find the next of kin. Um, and I'm like, can I please talk to the officer that responded? And they're like, well, he's away for the weekend. And me and my aunt were like for hours trying to figure out what happened. And they finally got someone on the phone that read me the police record and they basically just ruled it a, an, an overdose. Oh. 
And so I had called coroner and the toxicologist and I wanted them to further investigate, but you know, it just, it brought a lot of pain to my mom, the more I would push and they wouldn't really give me the time of day. I was pushing for them to do all this extra stuff and they didn't really want to do it. They weren't returning my phone calls. I called and I called and I called my aunt and I were playing detective and researching this guy and, but it brought a lot of pain to my mom. And I think if that, if something else were to be her cause of death that it would have brought a lot of pain to my mom so I just dropped it because you know but I still wonder every day even if they're a sex worker or not just being a drug addict you're automatically labeled with this stamp on your forehead that you're not worthy but there's still people they all have families it's honestly so sad because you know we've had people with addiction in our lives and things like that. And, and you can see the person who they truly are and the trauma that they've been through and, and the pain, and you know that they don't want to be where they are. Yeah. It's just so sad. Who want, who chooses that? Yeah. Nobody chooses that. No. So it would have been, it would have been really shortly after your sister passed away that you went on a girl's trip with your friend and met Connor. Well, my sister died in 2012. Yeah. And Connor and I were together in 2014. I dated losers before that. Yeah. <laughs> you got to get through the bad ones before yeah. you get to the good one, right? That how was did, so hard. How did you kind of get to where you are now? How did you yeah. get through everything you've been through and you're here, you know, in a, in a different life than you grew up in? I could talk about my life now and it's just like a 180. You know, I sit here and talk about sad stuff and, you know, I definitely still have a lot of issues like I have a lot of a lot of anger towards my brother's death you know it's just like so unfounded and so unfair he was such a good guy he was not gambling with his life and he was so kind and like I said he had so much life ahead of him and meeting Connor I just wish that they could have been friends because they would have been best friends they love video games you know I just like I I still have a lot of anger with that you know I just guess I just didn't want the same life that they wanted and I had such good friends and I always thought, you know, being kind gets you so far. You know, my mom was always so kind. She is so nice to everybody and she doesn't have a lot, but she's very a kind person. And I just, that's something I'll die. That's the hill I'll die on. And I really feel like if you're just a good person, like good things will come to you and, you know, it's your perspective of what a good thing is. And being able to just appreciate what you have. And for a long time, I didn't appreciate what I have. Yeah, I kind of dated around, but I had the best friends and they they helped me through everything. And I still have them. I'd always meet people that actually did have similar situations and we'd always bond over that. And it was kind of cool. And I think I was just missing like a family component, yeah. you know? Yeah. I always wanted to have growing up because I couldn't do it. I love the idea of everyone being around a dinner table. Yeah. Just something so simple. So I met Connor. His family is the best. Like, I am so lucky. His mom is like Martha Stewart, but she's so down to earth (laughs) and she's so funny. And she loves dogs just as much as I love dogs. His dad actually has a very similar story to me. He'll tell anybody, but he had grown up in a rough situation, very similar to my story. And, you know, him and I, you know, we don't even have to say it. We just know, like, he gets, I get him, he gets me. Yeah. And I I just love them so much. And we're very close with them. Um, They live uh, on, like, a remote island. So they've retired over there. So we get to see them, you know, a few times, like, maybe, like, once a month. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah. And they're so sweet. And, like, it's just, like, such a good family dynamic. And they instilled so many good, like, life lessons in Connor and he's never been privileged or he's just so modest and he's so down to earth and he's so fun and he's just doesn't judge like all the qualities you can think of in a good man he has I just I love, love that oh yeah and the fact that you still have those friends like Sarah like shout out to Sarah I'm so glad yeah. you guys have each other yeah and their moms and yeah. you know yeah. but you know Connor he's just such He's just the best. And anyone who meets him, I don't think there's any person that doesn't like him. There can't be anyone that doesn't like him. 
I love that you like, you know, you, you face so much adversity and hardship and like, you can still, you're still such a positive person and you still like, you know, you probably had to make, well, yeah, yeah, but you probably, you had to make some really hard decisions to, to purposefully change your life and not go down that same path. Yeah. And, you know, you were probably at such a high risk of going down the path of your older sister or, you know, and like, so I don't know. I'm just proud of you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we and just met, but I'm proud of you. Yeah. Thank you. Kirsten, thank you I'm so much for sharing your story. I'm so glad you reached out. Oh, thank you. I love so you because you were here. like, you were like, oh, I don't know. My, my story is sort of headline worthy, but I don't know if you'd want to talk about it. And I was like, yes, this is like a real life experience. Absolutely. And I think so many people will find so many aspects of it relatable. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important because we don't talk about growing up with parents that have trauma and issues and whether it's addiction or not, you know, I don't know. It's just important to talk about. It is. And I will say it's not all bad though. Like maybe I only talked about the bad stuff, but it wasn't all bad. Like I had, I like my little sister, Katie, we're very close. She's my best friend in the world. It, It doesn't have to, it wasn't all bad. And it was, I have a lot of good memories growing up and now I have a really good life and I'm really grateful. Oh, I love that. I love you guys. Thank you. We love you. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Okay. You too. I'll see you at my wedding. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And tell Connor he can have the internet back now. Bye. Bye. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Carling. Or should we say, hey, Kirsten, thank you so much for being on our podcast. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. She was so amazing. And I, I uh, did a little teaser post of her and her dog. How oh, freaking cute God. are they? So cute. And then she so said, cute. maybe we can come to her wedding. I know. <laughs> we like, are just, we are going to be busy. Oh All my God. We have to go see when I COVID is over. I literally will come to your wedding if you invite me. I think I'll even be, make uh, a speech. I think we should be joint flower girls. Ooh, oh, I thought you were going to say officiants. Oh, that too. We could sure. Yeah, we could do like a side business as wedding officiants. <laughs> but we could tag team it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I'll do all the straight weddings. <laughs> 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 I would totally do the gay weddings too. I oh my God. Well, if I ever I'm not get like ma- that baker who refused to make a gay cake. <laughs> oh, you better make me a gay cake. I will make you the gayest cake <laughs> i wanted to buy you tea towels the other day with a rainbow on it that said love true. is love I but then i thought that. you'd be like you shouldn't be spending your money so then yeah i, I probably would have a hundred percent i would have said that you would have been annoyed at me for buying them yeah um but also if i ever get married again you can marry me like you uh, can be the officiant Oh, I would love that. <laughs> and um, I would love the shade that I would get for doing it, too. Oh, Lord. <laughs> uh, you guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Yes. Don't forget to follow us on all the things. We are at I Did Not Sign Up For This. And yeah. we're also on Patreon. I'm actually currently telling my story about yeah, we how just released episode three. three i accidentally married a sociopath and a man you know it happens honestly yeah i happens. think more often than than not. you are definitely not the only one who's done that <laughs> that's true um uh, but no carling is sharing her story and it has been amazing and it's been very difficult to re-listen to it all yeah but it's a very important story and you are definitely helping a lot of people yeah we're getting a lot of really good feedback on it so yeah. if you're interested it is a five dollar monthly subscription and you can find us at patreon.com slash i did not sign up for this and we don't just have that we have like well, how many episodes do we have like over 20, 20. over 25 over 25 yeah so for five dollars you could go listen to 25 more episodes of us talking i mean that's a bargain <laughs> people are like you could not pay me five dollars <laughs> to listen to 25 hours of you talking um and what else do we have going on we got merch Um, check out our website you can get to our merch website um by just going to i did not sign up for this dot ca and then we have a link to it and we've gotten a couple people like jordan posted a picture of 
her merch that she got my dad got some Your dad tia um i just got some more today or yes. not, not today the other day that water bottle is cute it's so nice I'm and then steal my it little my little sticker that i made of my quote of the only person i zoom is my therapist is right yep. on my computer yeah although i am zooming you right now so i'm kind of lying I mean, am I not also kind of your therapist? Well, I mean, you are. Do I not tell you like it is? Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes to a fault. Yes, you sure do. <laughs> oh, just love me. But I love you for it because I need to be called out on my crap. Oh, I and really if your best do. friend can't do it, then who can? I know. Oh my gosh. We also forgot to say that we got to finally meet our friend's baby yesterday oh jana little baby distanced um birthday hangs on your driveway we got to meet um little ollie Ollie. yeah oh we should have given her that onesie so cute oh darn it dang it jana come back here jana Um, that was like what we were saying we hadn't seen each other in like in a year yeah yeah it is true crazy yeah well, I hope everybody's right. doing good. You know, it feels like we're approaching the one year of COVID. And if you weren't feeling yeah. it before, it feels like people are feeling it now. Oh, I, yeah. It's like every conversation I have with someone, it's like, I am done with this. Yeah. So like reach out <laughs> to someone, take yeah. care of yourself, subscribe yeah. to our podcast, <laughs> <laughs> leave us a review. All these things come highly recommended as ways to feel better. Absolutely. So we are. I don't, I don't know who says that, but yeah. We're, <laughs> my God, how do we? We need to meet a doctor and become doctor. Maybe Dr. Quinn, if you're listening, will you? Well, she did kind of recommend us on. She, she left did. us a review. So does that mean we are doctor recommended? I'm going to ask. I her. believe that is the official way to become doctor recommended. <laughs> I have to say. Oh, God. Okay, everybody. Have Plus, a fan- I mean, she is a medicine woman, so <laughs> <laughs> how many times do you think she's heard that joke? I feel so bad for her. For if that. your name is Dr. Quinn and l- like a hundred, uh, yes, yes, yeah, that was so, a good show. It, it was a pretty good show with Sunny, show. her lover, yep, his <laughs> luscious long hair, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've gone off the rails now. <laughs> Too much. Okay, I hope everybody has a fantastic day. Yes. I would say a good Tuesday, but really, I don't care if you're listening to this two years from now and it's a Thursday. I hope your day's great. Wow, that's really big of you, Carling. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just in a good mood and I just want to share the love, so. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Barf um, emoji. <laughs> um okay everybody we will talk to you next week bye bye i almost turned my lamp off like as if to like that was going to end the recording and good night